What's unique about Canadian Jewish people versus U.S. Jewish people is that Canadians seem to want to stronger identify themselves as Jewish people, whereas the leaning of American Jews is to more assimilate. This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Today, we welcome Steve Herzig, our Director of North American Ministries here at the Friends of Israel. Our Canadian ministry has seen tremendous growth over the past two years. We've added new workers, and in Winnipeg, we have a new annual prophecy conference being held every September. I know you'll be encouraged to see how God is working, and Steve will tell you all about it. And then after that, we'll shift our focus onto Israel. Do you know each Israeli is required to serve in the Israeli army? We're going to take a look at how mandatory service in the Israeli Defense Force plays a defining role in Israeli culture. And then, apples of gold. I recently saw a survey that reveals among Jewish young adults living in America, many do not believe Israel and the United States share the same values. Fern Oppenheim, co-founder of Brand Israel Group, believes this survey is devastating and that Israel is being defined by its detractors. Oppenheim blames the anti-Israel atmosphere on college campuses that are leading the future of America away from supporting Israel. Here's the truth. Israel and America do share the same values. They are the only democratic country in the Middle East with a dedication to democracy, upholding the rule of law, freedom of religion and speech, and human rights. These unique values shared between the United States and Israel must be communicated to a generation of young adults who are being so easily deceived. Today's a special day. We are going to be looking at the entire ministry of the Friends of Israel. And what I mean by that is this. Oftentimes, I think most people know the Friends of Israel, but they know it through either maybe just the the radio program that you're listening to right now, or, you know, we get a lot of people that uh, say, oh yeah, you you work with Israel, my glory. You know, they, they know the ministry of the Friends of Israel just through our magazine, our very popular magazine, Israel, my glory. But the one thing that we are, we're not just a radio program, and we're not just the magazine. We are a worldwide Christian ministry that teaches truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. We are a worldwide Christian ministry, and that's why we're doing our Ministry Highlights show. Every two months, we we bring in workers that work with the Friends of Israel, serving the Lord around the world to talk about their ministry with the Friends of Israel. And that's why today I have Steve Herzig, who is the director of North American Ministries. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Chris. Good to be here. You are the director of North American Ministries, and one of the things I wanted to focus on today was the ministry in Canada, which is something new to you. Can you share a little bit about your ministry in Canada? Well, Chris, two years ago, Jim Showers asked me to uh, expand my work and fulfill my title, which is North American uh, D- Director of North American Ministries. And so uh, I was given the responsibility to oversee Canada, and I didn't really know what that would entail. But o- over the last two years, it's been a wonderful ride that I've been glad that the Lord's given me an opportunity. 
So let's let's talk about Canada. First of all, we have amazing Canadian li- uh, listeners. We have radio stations um, all throughout Canada. We have them in Vancouver, in Calgary, in Nova Scotia, in New Brunswick, and we hear from our Canadian listeners. And so can you talk a little bit, not just for our Canadian listeners, but for our listeners in the United States, can you talk a little bit about the ministry of the Friends of Israel in Canada? And, and mostly, you know, are there Jewish people in Canada? Uh, that's a great question. First, to answer your question, Canada has the fourth largest Jewish population uh, in the world behind Israel, the United States, France, and then Canada, some 375,000 Jewish people. But the work in Canada, uh, as far as myself being exposed to, um, I had I really didn't know that much about it. Um, I knew that we had a work, and I was excited about it. I've been to Canada several times. But when I began to come up to our Brampton office, which is just outside Toronto, and begin to get to know our staff, which we have there, our office staff, as well as our field staff, I found that uh, I knew zero about what we were doing. And Chris, I cannot tell you how exciting it is for me. I know I'm an American. uh, But you're an American who has really come to love the Canadian culture. Can you share a little about that? Chris, I came to see the light. (laughs) when it comes to Canada. Uh, I must say that I've taken Air Canada as well as other American, uh, another American airline. And the striking thing about getting on a flight with mostly Canadians is how courteous they are, how gracious they are. And their national line ought to be, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Even if somebody else is wrong, they say, I'm sorry. And I've come to appreciate that. Uh, They're gracious and they are lovers. The Christians that I have met are lovers of Israel and the Jewish people. It, I've been converted to a Canadian. Wow, that, and, and I've heard that from even our Canadian reps that are all throughout Canada. And so can you share a little bit about the, the history the Friends of Israel has in Canada, the kind of work that they're doing there? Well, first, you need to understand a little bit about the Jewish population in Canada. Uh, that started to come in the late 1700s. At first, when uh, the British had it, it was basically a Catholic country. Uh, The Seven Years' War brought um, opportunity for the British soldiers to be there. There were several Jewish people who were officers. Several of them stayed over a period of time and began to get involved in business, haberdashery, similar, that's similar to the United States. And over a period of time, uh, they um, immigrated. Uh, the pogroms in the late 1800s and early 1900s brought 100,000. The Holocaust after World War II brought 40,000 Holocaust survivors to wow. Canada. And the opportunities there uh, expanded. And so there's been a, a, a wonderful surge of Jewish people there. And what's unique about Canadian Jewish people versus U.S. Jewish people is that Canadians seem to want to stronger identify themselves as Jewish people, whereas the leaning of American Jews is to more assimilate. Our organization, of course, has been up there. Uh, We had a representative years ago in Canada uh, who was mainly on a campus in Canada, in Montreal, and uh, we had a worker out in Calgary for a number of years, as well as uh, Vancouver. Um, But when I came, we only had two people. and my goal was to expand the office and expand the workers that we had in Canada. And uh, look, I couldn't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the one that prepared hearts 
for some of the questions that I had. I had a question for our volunteer in Vancouver. I had a question for our worker in uh, Calgary. And through those answered questions, uh, in 18 months, we were able to uh, expand our office work by one, uh, which meant we went from one full-time person to two full-time people. I, through the help of the Lord, expanded the work we have in Canada from two full-time representatives to now we have four full-time representatives. Serving the Lord in Canada. Serving the Lord in Canada, and just a incredible ministry. And you not only expanded people, you not only have more on your team in Canada, but you've expanded with a conference now, and you've expanded with an Israel trip as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we have never had an up-to-Jerusalem trip from Canada with Canadians. And February of this year, we had our first trip. We had 33 people attend. It's a 15-day trip. 15 days. 15 days, actually longer than our U.S. trip. Uh, Canadians are hardier than Americans. I learned that. Uh, we, I've gone on many of our American trips. The Canadians last, they get up to leave at 8 o'clock and return sometimes at 7 o'clock compared to the American version, which is a little less. Plus, uh, there's more preaching in the wow. Canadian one. Um, I found it to be challenging, but yeah. <laughs> the Canadian and the Canadians in February were found in the Sea of Galilee, where it's 55 degrees outside, and the water was probably about that same temperature, and they were singing "O Canada." Uh, I have it on video, and I just said, "These people are marvelous." <laughs> When you're talking about the Canadian work expanding um, and and this trip that's going on, can you talk a little bit about the needs that you still have up in Canada? Chris, we need representatives. Uh, We have a constituency in Canada that is proud to be Canadians, but also proud to be Israel advocates and lovers of the Jewish people. And um, we are finding through our conferences, we had our first conference in uh, Vancouver last year in November, had 400 people, and we have a committee set up for this year, and they are projecting the committee to me that uh, we're not going to have 500, we're going to have 1,000. That's awesome. Now listen, I, you have gr- a great deal to offer the Canadian listeners right now. So if you're in Canada, listen up. Steve, go ahead. Tell your Canadian listeners right now what you're offering them. I am offering and pleased to offer only for Canadians an opportunity to go to Israel free. And there's no hidden agenda, nothing they have to do other than write why they love Israel and the Jewish people and 650 words or less and get it to us because, Chris, the contest technically expires July 1st, but only for your listeners in Canada. Uh, They have two weeks in which to fulfill this assignment and get it into our office in Canada. And if they win, uh, they could be, there's two distinct winners. Uh, We're sending them absolutely free, no strings attached, a trip uh, from Toronto to Israel and back to Toronto again. So for all my listeners in the United States and globally listening on the podcast, I thank you very much. But this is a special offer for Canadians. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to foiradio.org and you can go to our show notes page there. And within our show notes, you'll find a link that will take you to the Canadian Friends of Israel page. And that will give you all the instructions. And if you can't get online, you can just call 888 664 2584. I'll repeat that for you. 
888-664-2584 to find out information on how you can sign up, do an essay, and go to Israel for free. And then, Steve, we have one more thing that we're offering our Canadian listeners as well. Chris, uh, we have a um, little short magazine called The Canadian Communique, uh, and it's free. Uh, They can go online and read uh, past communiques, and if they'd like to get one delivered free to their home, all they have to do is call that same number that you gave and give their address, and we'll be more than glad to send them the communique. Okay, folks, again, foiradio.org, the show notes page, that's where your link will be to the Canadian website for the Friends of Israel, and then also, again, that number is 888-664-2584 to get your free Canadian communique that comes how often? Bi-monthly? That comes four times a year. Four, four times a year. And then also to get your free trip by signing up to do an essay to Israel. There's two free trips that they're giving away this year. So, uh, Steve, thank you so much for being on the program, sharing about your heart for Canada, how the Lord is growing Canada, how the gospel is advancing through the ministry of the Friends of Israel. And we're going to be praying for you and praying for the work that's happening in Canada. Thank you, Steve. Hey, my pleasure. A. Eh? While most Christians will never have the opportunity to travel to Israel, there's another way to express your friendship and support for God's chosen people by assisting them with their needs. At a time when so many people in this world are turning away from Israel, we can turn toward them and surround them with Christian love. We at the Friends of Israel offer many projects to support through our gift catalog. These projects will give you an opportunity to express your friendship and love to the Jewish people. If you would like to receive our catalog, you can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Or you can just go right online to foiradio.org to download our Friends of Israel gift catalog. The Israeli culture is extremely complex. It's a culture made up of Jewish people, Christians and Muslims, along with several smaller belief systems like the Druze community and and those who follow Baha'i. Citizens of Israel not only have several religious backgrounds, they have diverse backgrounds on where they originate. Some immigrated from Europe, America, South America, Northern Africa, and even the Middle East. Israeli culture is vast, it's wide, and extremely complex, but the one thing that binds all of these people together is their dedication to serve their country in the Israeli Defense Force. Every Israeli citizen is required to volunteer for their country after they turn 18, and a majority are drafted to serve in the Israeli military. In fact, 72% of Israelis are initially drafted into the IDF. Men are required to serve for three years, while women serve for just a little more than two years. The 28% of Israelis that dodge the draft are usually exempt for medical reasons or religious reasons. And it doesn't matter what your background is in Israel. All citizens come together under the banner of serving and protecting their country. So think about this. While most American 18-year-olds are preparing to go to college, a majority of Israeli 18-year-olds are preparing to go to boot camp to serve and protect their country. The mandatory service in the IDF has a profound impact on the culture of Israel and the lives of these young adults. 
You know, I can remember a few years ago, I was given a tour of an Israeli army base, and I was meeting and interacting with several teenagers who were telling me their stories. And I asked one girl who was just entering her second year what she does for the army. And she looked at me and said, I'm a ballistics engineer. A 19-year-old girl told me she's a ballistics engineer. And I want you to think about that for a moment. A 19-year-old is receiving on-site training on becoming a ballistics engineer. And it's, it's not just classwork. It's on-site experience. And one of the defining factors that makes Israel such a successful country, despite their size, is the role the military plays after these young adults leave the army. Dan Sr., one of the authors of Startup Nation, the story of Israel's economic miracle, said in an interview, the Israelis come out of the military not just with hands-on exposure to next-generation technology, but with training in teamwork, mission orientation, leadership, and a desire to continue serving their country by contributing to its tech sector. Israel today is considered the startup nation. It's leading globally in technological innovation, thanks in part to the role the Israeli army plays in their culture. Young adults take the knowledge and experience they've learned in the army and they apply it to programs and technology that can be seen all around the globe today. And on top of that, the IDF is considered by some to be one of the most ethical military powers in the world. During the Gaza war in 2014, which was called Operation Protective Edge, Israel was responding to years of Hamas rockets being launched into their towns and cities. When the IDF went into the Gaza Strip to dismantle terror tunnels and weapons depots, they would first notify the civilians of that area of Gaza that their city is about to come under attack. The IDF would call homes and text message cell phones to residents of Gaza in Arabic, warning them of an impending attack. Then they would drop leaflets in, in Arabic, telling them to leave. And finally, they would send a warning shot to make sure no one was around the area where the weapons were being stored. Last year, I spoke with Professor Asa Kasher, who wrote the Code of Conduct for the IDF. And he said that even after all the warnings that the IDF would send, if a civilian of Gaza was seen during the operation, they would call off the mission. No army on earth ever warns their enemies that they're about to come. But in an effort to preserve life, the IDF takes steps to look after the innocent. At the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, we help on a humanitarian side through our Israel Relief Fund. A portion of the funds we raise in the Israel Relief Fund go to support organizations like the Friends of the Israeli Defense Forces who offer educational, cultural, and recreational services that provide support for the soldiers who protect Israel and the Jewish people worldwide. You can also encourage a Christian IDF soldier through our Israel Relief Fund. There are about 400 known Christian soldiers in Israel. As you can imagine, these soldiers need to know Christian brothers and sisters around the world are praying for them as they defend their country. You know, by giving only $25, you can provide a gift basket with a note of encouragement to these soldiers. This is really a great way to show your love and support for the nation of Israel and for fellow believers. You, you know, the Israeli Defense Force certainly doesn't do everything perfect but it is a force for good and stability in a region of the world that is plagued with evil and instability. So here's my challenge to you. First, let's pray God continues to protect the tiny state of Israel as he's miraculously done in the past. And I also want to challenge you to go to our Israel Relief Fund page. A link will be made available to you in the show notes at foiradio.org, and it's there 
that you can see all the ways your donations go to provide relief to the many outlets in the state of Israel. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. One recent morning, I met a small group of young religious children at the bus station with their teacher. As is my custom, I said to them, Shalom, Bokotov, which means peace, good morning. The teacher gave me a nasty look, but the children answered very nicely, Shalom. I asked the teacher, Are you not feeling well? Can I help you? No. I asked, Why are you so unhappy? He answered, because I do not want an atheist like you to have such close contact with my pupils. I asked, how do you know I am an atheist? He responded, a person who believes in God covers his head, but your head is uncovered. I then asked, was Moses a Jew? Of course, he said, you are right. But what did the Lord say to Moses when he was standing before the burning bush? The teacher did not answer. So one of the children said, I know. The Lord said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I then said, You see, the Lord did not tell Moses to cover his head. Who are you that I cannot stand before you with my head uncovered? Do not think your long beard and black hat can save you. He became more interested in what I was saying, and the children were hanging on to my every word. The teacher asked, How can you speak about salvation with such surety? I replied, I have had the great privilege of being saved, and not because I was so nice or so good. I am a sinner just like everyone else but I will have everlasting life. Psalm 23, 6 says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. By now, two buses had come and gone, but the teacher didn't seem upset about it. He wanted to prove himself right, and he didn't care how long it took. And then suddenly he said, Aha, now I know who you are. You are a missionary. I asked him, What about Abraham and Jonah? Were they not missionaries? Even all of your ultra-Orthodox rabbis are missionaries. The only difference between them and me is that I preach the gospel of God according to the Bible, but you and the rabbis spread only vanity. Even when I greeted you with shalom, you would not answer me. In the law, God commanded us, love your neighbors as yourself. Instead, you are teaching your pupils to hate their neighbors. This made him very angry, and he shouted, A Christian has no right to tell me how to educate my pupils. I responded, It is not important whether you call yourself a Jew or a Christian. The important thing is to keep the very least of the Lord's commandments, and in doing this you will find him. He will then receive you just as you received me when I came to him on his terms. It is written in Isaiah 2.3, Out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
we were very near to this prophecy's fulfillment. Please, please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are now on 900 stations in the U.S., and we'd like to take a moment to welcome our new listeners that recently found our program. If you're a new listener, we'd love to hear from you today. You can contact us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Or you can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Or you can write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Thank you.